Phil. I quote one of my son's words. Phil and Heather, best pastors ever. (laughs) And we acknowledge and recognize them and honor them and we bless them. And we thank you for all that you've put in this man and what he's going to share of it with us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And thank you, whichever one of your children was so magnanimous. It's not true. Whoa, come on, come on. That was amazing, guys, the, on the worship team. I mean, I, I'm just gobsmacked. That was just so fantastic. It was wonderful. Um, and flowers. We're almost like a proper church, aren't we? <laughs> We have to get we have to get a flower rotor. <laughs> Who was the first one, Mike? Are you? <laughs> okay, Mike's the only one on the rotor. It's good. Okay, um, so we are in the month of risk and faith, and what do I know about risk and faith? <sighs> kind of submerged in it, I think, is the answer. Uh, and I'm learning bit by bit as things go on. Um, but really, what I want to do today is is really go through some of the things I've said before. I want to revisit and bring them back to the to the forefront because it's an observation of what is going on at the moment, and to try and get a little bit of understanding onto the time and the season that we're living in right at this, right at this very moment and, and try and make a little bit of sense out of some of the challenging things that are going on at the moment. Okay, Now, I, uh, I, I have to do a disclaimer right at the beginning. I, I'm working this out. I'm trying to understand how all of this thing works. And please, I, I am so aware of the multitude of situations that people are facing just within this group of people sitting here. This talk is not designed to any one of you. I did not have anything in mind when I said this, okay? When, I, when I, I'm literally just beginning to unfold some of the things that God is speaking to me through the things that I'm going through. Now, if you're able to pick something up from this, it's all well and good. So be it, okay? So... That's my, that's my disclaimer. So if I offend anyone, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do it, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, the, really where, where I'm at at the moment is, you know, a, a few weeks ago, um, we had an amazing word from Isabel Allen over at Catch the Fire Church in Bournemouth. And uh, it, it was a kind of re... Uh, confirming of something that had been said before. Uh, uh, it was really, really encouraging. It was all about plunder. You remember me doing the talk about plunder uh, a few weeks ago. And the prophetic word was that a season of ease is coming upon you, of increase and revelation and encounter. Okay, that was, that was the gist of the word. It's a good word. And you kind of receive those words and you think, way, come on, that's a great word, I'll take that. But, you know, whenever these things come, nine times out of ten, it seems to go completely in the opposite direction. And suddenly, you're not in a season of ease, you're in a season of actually slight anxiousness. Um, you're not in a, 
that's where I am. Yeah, you're not in a season of increase, but things are actually getting a little bit squeezed. And you're not in a season of revelation, but actually it goes a bit quiet. And you think, what on earth is going on? So it's just an observation. I was reading this week in Psalm 4. I'm just kind of going through the Psalms and I'm going through some of the Gospels in the Passion Translation, and I can highly recommend it to anyone. You can get to it online to use it alongside of something else, okay? But it really brings some of the stuff to life, and you hear it in a different way, and it just really makes you think. I don't, don't, you know, I'm not into the preciseness of each individual word and all of that, but the sense that it communicates is absolutely amazing. But Psalm 4, I read this the other day. God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right now. Grant me your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. And you know, there's a number of things we're going through at the moment. And there is a kind of a little bit of a sense inside of, oh, here we go again, you know. It's like, are we ever going to get out of this season of squeezing? And, uh, but I do recognise in it. Now, this is, this is where I kind of have to understand like, what's, what's going on because I don't like it when things go wrong. I don't like it when the enemy has a go. I don't like it you know, when I'm in lack, when, when kind of sickness comes. But I have to recognise... Actually, it's in those times that I actually grow the most in the Lord. It's when something in me just really grabs a hold of him and pulls on heaven. And that's when I grow and uh, kind of take steps in maturity more than at any other time. I don't like it. It annoys me intensely. I think, why can't we do it when things are good? When the music's good and the money's there and the, everyone's healthy and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, but it does seem to be that it, it is like that. And, you know, this word that Isabel brought to us a few weeks ago um, was based in and around Jehoshaphat, you know. And it, we've, we've looked at that story before, so I won't go into it in a lot of detail, but... You know, the in essence, Jehoshaphat was a good king. And, I, and I've been looking at three different stories which are quite similar. There's Jehoshaphat, there is the siege of Samaria, which I think Elijah was involved in, and there is Hezekiah, okay, who uh, was surrounded by the troops of Assyria, Sennacherib. And uh, three very similar stories of people who were going along actually. Pretty okay, doing all right. And they were, you know, Hezekiah was a good king. Jehoshaphat was a good king, did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Everything was going on okay. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes and surrounds them completely. And, you know, from everything going quite well, suddenly there's this intense anxiety which comes upon them. And uh, the nations are ganging up. I think when Sennacherib came around um, Judah or Israel, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, there was something like about half a million troops came and surrounded them. And there was a lot of people. And, you know, they probably probably at that time, Israel could have mustered an army of about 
20,000 or something. So completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And the first thing that happens with all of these good kings is they get scared. Fear starts to rise up and this anxiety level begins to rise. And it's the same in all three of them. And it gets difficult. The pressure comes on. And, um, you know, I, I think... Now, did God send that enemy to do that? I don't know. This is where, this is where my disclaimer kicks in, OK? Because I don't fully understand it. I'm just observing actually what happens when it does happen. I know we live in a fallen world and bad stuff happens, okay? It does just happen. But sometimes in the context of those things, actually growth really begins to happen. And it is a pattern which is mapped out in the Bible as well. So let's, we're just going to have a, a look at this. So I'm pulling on that bit of the scripture in um, Psalm 4. It says, whenever I was in distress, you enlarge me. There's another scripture in Hosea Uh, chapter 2 verse 14 where it says but then I will win her back once again talking about Israel uh, God talking about Israel who's kind of gone a little bit astray I will lead her into the desert or the wilderness and speak tenderly to her there I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope she will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. There's a wonderful picture in here. You know, I've heard Graham Cook talk about this kind of a lot of times. Why is it that, you know, in order to step forward into the things that God has for us, our destiny, our, our prophetic destiny, quite often there's a wilderness time that precedes it. There's a time when you're kind of going, what on earth is going on? I don't understand this. But it seems to be that in that place, and this scripture, it brings it out beautifully. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. So it's in those places when we're facing different things, different challenges, different uh, things that we just don't understand, that there is an opportunity for God to speak tenderly to us and for us to speak tenderly to him. There's a, a place for intimacy in those uh, circumstances. And it goes on to say, doesn't it, that day, when that day comes, you will call me my husband instead of my master. There's a transformation of intimacy that goes on in that situation. And there's this amazing picture of the valley of trouble being transformed into a gateway of hope. And that actually the things that he's promising to give us happens in those wilderness places. So we looked a little while back um, in Matthew 4 about when Jesus received, I think, one of his first prophetic words. Um, He was being baptised in the River Jordan, the same as Michael was, maybe in the very same place. I think that bit of water may have moved on by now. Might have been recirculated back round, of course. Um, but when he was uh, baptised, a voice comes from heaven, doesn't it? And says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit falls on him in the form of a dove. And uh, he, you know, this thing, you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, amazing encounter with God. 
It's really good. He's affirmed as a son of the father. The father's, before he's even done anything, he's not done any miracles. He's not done anything that anyone would be kind of really impressed with. The father says, I'm really proud of you. You're my son. Okay, the very next thing that happens is that it says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested or to be tempted by the devil. He received the word from the father, you're my beloved son. Then he was tested on it. And the form of that testing, three different times, the word of testing comes, if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, you know, keeps coming. So he receives the word and then immediately he's kind of tested on the word. And I once heard uh, John Wimber talking about how farmers in, in Israeli sort of times didn't sow and plant the same way as we do. We, we plough the fields and scatter, as the good hymn says. But in those days, they used to scatter the seed and then the plough would come on behind and plough it all in. And it's a, a good picture of the word going out, but then a ploughing coming on to really plough it in to the good soil. And uh, if Jesus had this same testing, it's interesting to see that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an attack of the enemy. Actually, the Holy Spirit led him to that place and gave him the strength and gave him the revelation to go through it and took him to a new place. It says in that scripture, he went out full of the Holy Spirit, but he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit because he'd proved the word that was spoken over him. The word suddenly was not just an empty word that was hovering over him. It was now part of him. It was in his heart. He'd kind of said, yes, I am the son of the father. And so he was able to come back in the power of the Holy Spirit. And those things were proven. And, and he began his ministry from that point on. So, unfortunately speaking, for my own experience, the wilderness is where the good stuff happens. And I don't like it. I don't like it. It's painful. And I, I honestly, I can look around this room and I know there are people who've been through deeply kind of difficult, challenging times. But actually, most of them who are kind of getting on the other side of things will say, God was with me in that time and has actually given me strength, has actually taught me how to be a son, has taught me how to rely on him more. Deuteronomy 8 is one of my big scriptures because I believe at this moment, God is getting us ready to come into a time of increase, to come into a time of uh, a release of the kingdom uh, that is going to affect our area and affect the nation, okay? I, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. And as I've said on many times before, you know, I, I've been preaching this for quite a long time, but the sense of the timing of it now, the frequency of these confirmations is just getting beyond a joke. It is now, you know, no doubt in my mind that this is the destination that God is taking to us towards revival, towards renewal, towards the Holy Spirit being poured out on a nation you know, Jean Darnell's word that she had uh, all of those years ago, 40 odd years ago, 
that says there is a time of national awakening that is coming upon the United Kingdom. Well, I believe we're on the threshold of it. And, you know, there is a there's a certain it's kind of like a promised land, isn't it, that we're moving towards and we're aligning ourselves with. But there is a preparation that he is putting us through. So this this verse in Deuteronomy 8 is really speaking to me a lot at the moment. And the whole chapter is quite, quite fascinating. Let me read some of it out. Deuteronomy 8, 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not... Where's my mouse gone? There we go. Your clothes did not wear out... And your feet did not swell those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Discipline is the word that we get disciple from. And it means to teach. It goes on in Deuteronomy 8.15. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought water out of the hard rock and he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore your ancestors as it is today you know that he really wants to do some amazing things with us and obviously a lot of my focus at the moment is on our um, our land up there I, I am duty bound to actually give you a little bit of an update on the land so we'll have a sailor moment let all of that kind of heavy stuff sink in a bit where we're at with the land um, we've had a good few weeks up there, okay, so for visitors amongst us, we've uh, purchased five acres of land just up the road on the left as you go down Station Road there, and uh, we've got full planning permission to build a uh, ministry centre for the uh, Kingdom Life School and for the church and for families and for all kind of really cool stuff that's going to go on there. We've got the full planning permission done. We've got a number of conditions which we've got to discharge on the planning permission. So they've given us full planning permission, provided that you do this, 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 this. And there's quite a lot of them, aren't there? Five. Five we're working on at the moment. And some of them are that we make sure we remove the lizards to a place of safety. Another one is we've got to survey the bats and build them a little hotel. And another one is that we've got to put a barrier in to make sure the lizards don't come back on again. And we've got to, we've got to take photographs of all the buildings and record what's there before we knock anything down. And all of that sort of stuff, we've had to... Uh, work out what the drainage is like on the land. So we've had diggers on to dig some holes and do what we call percolation tests and all of that stuff. So, you know, it's been going really well. And I think probably we'll be in a position fairly soon to kind of put an application in to discharge those conditions, in which case we'll be released to begin whatever. Um, So 
that's been going well. While that's been going on, we've had a lot of activity on cutting down rhododendrons and some of the little trees and clearing it. And it, and it looks very different on there. We're not in a position where we can invite everyone on yet because it's still not terribly safe. There's some asbestos on there. There's a lot of broken glass and, and so on. So, but our plan is to get to a place where we can get it really safe and then invite people on to come and kind of bless the land, as it were. The situation that we're at financially at the moment, so we, we completed the sale in January and for that we had to take on some short-term loans just literally to get through uh, the completion of the sale and now is the time that we have to pay back those short-term loans and uh, basically the, the, the plan is that we, we need to sort of gather as much as we can from amongst ourselves and, and anything that's left over we borrow and we'll kind of pay back over a, a little while. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm kind of reluctant to go the borrowing route because I don't feel it's the general direction that God's told us to go. Uh, we, will, we will do it because sometimes you've got to do things short term in order to reach your long term goal type thing. But I really believe there's a call over this church to, for, for us to be debt free and to teach people how to live debt free. And I, and I feel like there's a lot of people, even in the church, but in society in general, who are trapped by debt. And I think that's one of the things that uh, God's going to use us to teach people and help people to break the chains of debt. OK, so that's so therefore it wouldn't make sense for me as a leader of the church to lead people into a thing when we've got a great big shackle around us that we're carrying around for the next 25 years and passing on to the next generation and all of that stuff. So I'm really looking to God to see see these kind of finances released. I will say that, you know, we had an amazing time at uh, January when everything came together. But we had some incredible things happen, for example, in my business, which enabled us to release quite a lot of money all in one go. And it was really exciting. I thought, yay, this is it. God's going to bless Charthouse. We're going to pay for the whole thing, you know, and uh, it's going to go really, really well. But we got the land and then all of a sudden, it's like a tap's been turned off. So, uh, and it's that, that's me kind of feeling that scripture that I read out first, you know, whenever, whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again, Lord. You know, it kind of, it feels like that squeeze is coming on, but I'm okay. I'm all right because I know what God has said. I know what he said. I am 100%, 150% convinced that we're in the right place with the right people doing the right thing at the right time. You know, it's like he has given us instruction and I know that's the direction to go. So therefore, there is a way. OK, it is going to happen. And some of it will be miraculous and some of it will be kind of uh, the gifts of the people. So. That's the situation we're in. We, we need to get some more money to do the next step. We, we've had some cash in the bank whereby we were doing these things like asbestos surveys and stuff just recently and the percolation tests and all of that. So it's all, it's all covered for the minute. But we do need to pay back some of these loans right, right now. Some of them have been done already, which is good. Um, uh, but we need to continue on and move with that. So welcome your prayers. I'd welcome you to... Think and ask God, you know, if he wants you to be involved in any way in that process and any kind of prophetic words that you get. So that's what, 
Okay, building update over. Transmit Salar moment has finished. Let's re-engage with where the word is. How did I get there in the first place? Um, yeah, so quite often when, when the word comes, there is a challenge to the word that comes immediately afterwards. It was the same with Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's out in the wilderness, right? If you're the son of God, then, you know, so he's tested on the word. And, and it feels like that. It felt like that with us, with the word that um, Isabel brought. And was, even this last week was confirmed almost word for word by Lana Vorsa, this, this lovely Australian lady that we've been kind of following along and often uses the same vocabulary that God's speaking to us very precisely. And so it's really exciting all about plunder and all about receiving, you know, stuff uh, into the kingdom. And, uh, but then, again, everything goes in the opposite direction. So God challenges us. And in those moments, you know, in, in those moments when he leads us into the wilderness, you know, things begin to happen. It's kind of like the pressure comes on, isn't it? It's like, it's like a little bit of fire comes upon you. And in those moments when the fire comes on, stuff begins to come to the surface. And that's what I'm beginning to observe around me a little bit at the moment. Um, the lean periods are designed to refine us. They're designed to bring some stuff to the surface. You know, when, uh, in the Deuteronomy 8, it said, I'll lead you into the wilderness in order to know what is in your heart. Okay, so there's, he allows us, Psalm 66 says, you have tested us, O God, you have purified us like silver. Zechariah 13, 9 says, I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver. I will purify them like gold. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. These are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. You know, this picture of refining is, is kind of very beautiful. And we want to be refined, don't we? We want to be pure. We want to be as close to God as it's possible to get. We want to be hearing his voice as clearly as possible. But actually, the process of refining <laughs> involves pressure and it involves fire and it involves difficulty. You know, I saw a lovely picture of like how people refine precious metals like silver and gold and what they do is apply immense heat to them and as they do that the impurities begin to come to the surface and then they'll skim them off the top and they'll apply a bit more heat and then they'll skim the impurities off the top and apply a bit more and for silver one of the ways that in old olden times how they knew that it was pure is that as the refiner could look over and see a reflection of his face in the silver and i think that's a wonderful picture of how the re refining goes on in our lives you know that because when the pressure comes on stuff does come to the surface and I, i'm talking about me now okay i'm not talking about anything else going on but when the when the pressure comes on i it's, i'm not at my best it's like when I fast, you know, when you don't eat for a while, uh, which is good. I mean, it does stuff to you, but I'm not at my most spiritual while I am fasting, you know. Actually, I get a bit fleshly and it is like all I can think of is Mars bars and chips and, you know, all of this stuff. I'm actually my thoughts are not towards God and everything, but 
there is something in the process of kind of denying some of those uh, fleshly desires that that can um, that can lead you in the long run closer to God. Okay, it's it's just an observation, but anyway, so. You know, when the pressure comes on, quite often it's, it's the flesh that begins to rise up when things get difficult. And we know that there is this battle of the spirit and the flesh that is at war. It says in Scripture, doesn't it? The spirit and the flesh are at war with each other or enmity with each other. And Paul says in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. It's like, this is Paul who had like, trips to the third heaven and revelations that were not able to be spoken to any man, he met Jesus face to face and kind of got the whole revelation of the, of the New Testament, of the new covenant. And yet he still says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. I mean, oh, help me God, he says. It's like there's this war that was going on inside him. Galatians 5 says... When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not enter into the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's this kind of picture, isn't there, of the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And when the fire comes on us, it's really the fruits of the spirit that come out. Actually, it's the other stuff. It's anxiety. It's it's arguing. It's like, you know, it's worry it's it's all of these different things but the fire is designed there to bring some of these things to the surface I'm conscious at the moment that this is something that God's speaking to me I remember a few weeks ago I had a word about Esau and Jacob uh, a bizarre thing that happened through a dream someone else had but you know Esau was someone who gave up his entire inheritance for a bowl full of stew for his, for his stomach, for, for what was kind of, just gave him momentary gratification, you know, he, he gave up his entire inheritance. Jacob, although slightly dubious character, was someone who contended with God and ended up stepping into his inheritance. You know, there's this battle, this battle of the spirit and the flesh for me, I think is really important and that's why God is allowing pressure to come on me at the moment because when the pressure for example to find some money very quickly comes instead of being anxious instead of worrying instead of kind of getting in a state I can look to him and I can say no you have said this so you are going to provide it you're going to do it and and the more that you do it the more that you go through it and the more that you keep turning to him the more kind of second nature it comes and it doesn't to start with. There's that wonderful example of the feeding of the 5,000, you know, and they, they kind of had this amazing miracle of all this bread appearing. 
And then the next thing you hear, they're in the boat worrying that they haven't got enough bread. Because Jesus has kind of said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and, the, and Herod. And, and the disciples say, oh, we forgot to pack the bread. We haven't got enough bread. And they've just seen like 10,000 people just fed with miraculous bread. And yet they're worrying about not having enough bread. So it is easy to come back into the flesh even after seeing amazing things in the spirit. So, but the purpose of refining, the purpose of like allowing this pressure to come on is for us to, to train ourselves to, to be able to each time lay down these things. So, what, what's our response to the refiner's fire? You know, one of, one of the things is, uh, I, the first thing I've written here is be happy. Be joyful. Uh, James 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For I know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Enlarge you. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's the journey. That's when our faces begin to resemble Jesus' face. That's our journey. We're being turned into his likeness. And, you know, uh, each time something comes and we make the right response and we daily take up our cross. It talks about nailing these things to the cross, doesn't it? Crucifying the flesh, if you like. The, the, The second one I've got is be patient. That was a great word with the bulb and the daffodils because... This is the season that we're in, you know, and when we're going through a difficult time, sometimes you just can't see anything other than the difficult time. But actually, you've got to focus on the journey that God's got you. He has got amazing things for you. And it doesn't matter what's happened so far. He has good plans for you. To bless you, to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you. We have to be patient. Philippians 4 says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether it's well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know, one of the big things is patience, isn't it? I want patience and I want it now. It's like we live in a world of instant gratification. It's like everything is there. The kind of social media and video on demand and delivered food to your door and places open 24-7 and all of this stuff. Everything, everything is moving towards instant gratification. And, you know, that is not the world of the kingdom, in my experience, the world of the kingdom is, is a gentle thing that, that builds stuff into you. Just, just as, a, as a child growing up in a family, you know, uh, all my kids are 30-something now. And, you know, it's a process that they go through up until till that point, And you have a long time to do it. And, and it's good. It's good that it's a long time. It, things take time. There are things in the lighthouse that we are entering into now that we couldn't have done 22 years ago when we started. There's something about the history, about going through things together, going through happy times, sad times, difficult times, challenging times. You know, when we go through those things together, it builds something very beautiful amongst us. 
and there is no substitute to time. So if you want the get rich quick or you want the instant fix or you want it all just to, uh, that's not the sort of journey that generally he has you on. But it's a good journey. It's a good one. And he, he is good. I'd, I've seen this uh, thing and, you know, obviously I said I've, I've been preaching some of this stuff for quite a long time now. And we're, uh, sometimes you can look at the whole thing and just be completely overwhelmed. It's like looking at a field full of rocks. Just, and you see, oh, that's too big. Can't do it. And I've learned how to develop an attitude to say, right, I'm just going to do that patch there and get those ones and go. And then I'll go home and have a rest. I'll go and do something else. And then, then come back and do another bit. And it's, it's, I think Stubbsy's taught me some of this on the bike rides. It's like, you know, you've got to enjoy the journey. If you look at the whole thing and it just becomes a survival thing, it, it, there's no point doing it. When you're out on a long ride... You don't look at the top of the mountain that you're going to. You look to the next. You think, I'll just go to there, and then if I'm, if I'm okay, I'll, I'll carry on a bit. And you just do the next bit, and then you do the next bit, and then you do the next bit. It's about endurance, and it's about perseverance. One rock at a time. All the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. So... We need that quality of patience. We need to just say, we're in this for the long haul. This is, God is true. God is good. He's going to fulfill what he's spoken over to him. But he is God and I am not. Therefore, he can do it his way. So as things come to the surface, you know, when the fire comes on us, we need to deal with them. Um, This is the thing I was talking uh, to you about about putting to death things of the flesh. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, uh, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these things, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Uh, you used to do these things when your life was still part of, the, of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, uh, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. If you have stripped off your sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So we need to... As these things come to the surface, as we're going through things and we think, where did that come from? It's easy. You just deal with it. You just ask for forgiveness. You kind of face into it and you say, I don't want to go there. That's not how I want my life to be. I want it to be like this. And so you deal with it then and there, one rock at a time. Bear with one another. There's one thing that I kind of noticed from reading through all these siege stories And that was when the siege happens, everyone turns against each other. It's like, man, some of them were pretty ugly. They they were kind of really falling out with each other. Um, You know, like we're saying with fasting, you know, you do not get spiritual. You get hungry and grouchy. And uh, when Israel was under pressure, their response often was to murmur, was to complain, was to kind of fall out with each other. They start worshipping false gods. 
they started turning on each other, you know, and some of those siege stories are awful, aren't they? They even kind of turned to cannibalism in some, some cases from the pressure that was coming on. And that's, a, that's an example uh, of how God in us, I think that one of the most important things at the moment is the unity of the spirit. Quite often when the pressure comes on, we identify problems. I don't know if you've you find this at home if there's if you have not that we ever have rows or anything at home but um, if something goes at you kind of looking for something to blame to pin it on whereas actually sometimes it's just because you're a bit overtired and actually you just need to have a rest and you need to kind of look after yourself a bit and stuff like that but at the time you're looking for something to pin it on and uh the enemy's like that. His, his way of working is to divide and conquer. He wants to separate people off. He wants people to criticise each other. He wants people to fall out. He wants people to take offence. He wants people to separate themselves. Ephesians 4, verse 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism and one God and Father who is over them all and living through all. You know, the unity of the spirit is just so important. And if we're getting challenged in those areas where we're kind of thinking, right, we need to separate ourselves off. We need to, and I'm not talking to that person again, you know, that's, I'm not doing that. That's the flesh that's coming up. The spirit wants us to bind ourselves together and to look after one another, to encourage one another. Okay, last point. Worship and prayer. I mean, in all of those siege stories that I was talking about, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, uh, in particular, those two, you know, the first response was to get scared, to be afraid. The second response was to get in the temple and to get on their face before God and say, Lord, you are the most amazing God. You kind of led us through the Red Sea. You did these miracles. You have looked after us. You have brought us through the wilderness that, you know, came in a spirit of thanksgiving, of praise and worship and then supplication, then bringing their requests before God so, you know, quite often when, when difficulties come on, up upon us, the first thing that we want to do is just get in a mood, you know, and just separate ourselves off and just kind of get a bit depressed about it. But we need to be able to, as difficulties come on us, go first to God, first to him, because he is always good. Even though bad things are happening around us, he is always good and we can always go to him and he is always there. God in the form of his Holy Spirit is there. He, his, his Holy Spirit is the comforter. He is the one who comes around us and he will lead us through those difficult times. So coming in worship and prayer, I think it, it, it's the ultimate statement of trust if when you're going through a difficult time, if you can come and worship, if you can come and praise him, then you're, you're, it's a statement of trust. And in each of those cases, of course, when Jehoshaphat went and praised and he released that great halal, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever, his territory was increased in that moment. It's like the Lord's ambushes against the enemy came and fought 
on his behalf. And that's when they gathered up the plunder. Same with Hezekiah. It was like, it was only at that moment as they came into the temple and he spread out that letter, that threatening letter that he'd had and said, Lord, you know, all right, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That was the Jehoshaphat one, but the theory was about the same. He said, we're looking to you. He said, the Lord sent people out and the army was routed. A lot of them died and um, the rest of them ran away. So our response to the, the refiner's fight, we count it joy, although it's not a good thing to go through ever, these things. And I'm not saying that. And please, please don't think I'm trivialising anything that, you know, difficulties. Because difficulties are very, very real as you're going through them. And they're painful. But we can count it joy in that he loves us, that he's a good father, that he's helping us, he's taking us through things and he will strengthen us through the difficult things that have happened. So we've got to count it as joy. We've got to be patient and stick with it, one rock at a time, just one bit at a time, one little hill at a time. Be patient. Dealing with things as they come to the surface. So as things begin to rise up and you think that's not of the spirit, Therefore, I'm going to nail that to the cross and I'm just going to come and give it to him. We've got to bear with one another. Really look after each other in these times. Do not enter into judgment or criticism because that is not from the spirit. That's from the flesh. And come in a place of worship and prayer. I just finished with Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, As they pass through the valley of Baca, or the the valley of weeping, they will make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Amen. Okay, let's stand. I think we're going to wrap up here. I don't know if Mike's got anything else to say um, to finish off. But clearly, if anything that... I've said today has kind of touched a nerve or or anything or you feel like God's speaking to you and you would like some prayer the ministry team are on hand okay if if we can have a few to come out here and uh, just be available uh, to to pray uh, and to bless you in in what you're going through and I, I know there's a lot of people going through difficult times I do know it and um but God is still good And he still wants to bless you. He still wants to come alongside you. He still wants to uh, encourage you. So maybe, maybe come up and receive some prayer and get some of that encouragement. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a good father. Thank you that all that there is in you is good, that you have no bad in you. And, Lord, we just, we just honor you and uh, just say, Father... Regardless of what we're facing at this moment, we just lay it all down before you. As as the worship band was singing, there's nothing I hold on to, nothing I hold on to. I'll climb this mountain with my hands wide open, not holding on to anything. But Father, we just declare that you are God, you are good, and we bless your holy name. And I just pray for each person here that whatever they're going through, I just bless them in the name of Jesus to receive strength, to receive comfort, to receive encouragement in this 
in this place in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that spring is emerging right now, that the daffodils are springing up and that the season is changing and we are coming through uh, this time. And thank you that we are going to see incredible miracles in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Good word, brother.